0: Welcome to Creative Income, a podcast that focuses on making a living in the creative space. Whether you're an actor, filmmaker, musician, painter, or anything that doesn't fit the 9 to 5 mold, there is value for you here. I'm Lars Lindstrom. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Lars Lindstrom here, Creative Income. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this week, we're going to do me. It's it's me again. Just me. Uh, I think I've decided that I want to try and do this every fourth um, episode. So we'll have three guests, and then a the fourth episode, I'll just talk to you about what's on my mind uh, during the month and some things that I, I think could benefit us. Um, and, I, and I actually do want to start by saying that um, I... I do feel qualified in that I've been able to succeed and excel as a creative in Los Angeles and own a house and have a family and two daughters and not feel like I'm constantly just looking out for that next paycheck. Uh, In in fact, if, if you're a client of mine, you probably... Send me multiple emails saying, Lars, can you please just send this uh, the invoice for the last job so we can close it out? And I should be better at that. But I but I did want to say that I, I am not perfect. And a lot of the reason I started this podcast was was to not only bring this education to people that are looking for it, that need it, because there's I think an absolute need for it in the creative space. Uh, but also for me, I, I do think that I'm getting value from people and I'm trying to find better ways, maybe more efficient ways uh, to structure my financial life um, so that things are a little bit smoother, a little bit better. But um, yeah, like sending invoices, uh, that should be something that just happens immediately. Um, but anyway, yeah, so so what's going on with me in my life right now? Well, we're if you follow me on Instagram... Uh, It's Creative Income Podcast on Instagram. We're redoing a lot of our house. We've got the the whole first floor um, was all carpeted when we bought the house a month ago, and we we started peeling back the carpet and saw this beautiful two-inch hard oak underneath all this carpet. So we pulled all the carpet out, and we're redoing about 1,200 square feet of hardwood floor, which we're really excited about. It's uh, all sanded and looking pretty, and we're going to stain it tomorrow and I can't wait. I hope we choose the right stain color. I should probably create a poll or something, but I guess that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you guys think, really, honestly. Uh, We'll do what we like, and some of you might hate it, and that's fine. You know what? You're not coming over for dinner anytime soon, or maybe you will. Reach out. We're, We're both vaccinated now. I don't know if I told you that. We're fully vaccinated, which I'm excited about, and, uh, yeah, all right, let's jump into it. Um, some things, things that have been on my mind. I do want to talk about this week, um, title of the podcast is Why I Like the Feeling of Being Poor. And maybe it's something that some of you can relate to, um, whether you like it or not. And uh, let's so let's talk about it. I do want to say that when I first started out, um, I moved, I got my undergrad in Idaho, in advertising or communications moved to Los Angeles and um, before I started my graduate uh, program over at Art Center in Pasadena as a cinematographer I um, spent time as a wedding videographer I, I think I've talked to you about that story a little bit um, I basically just did anything that could generate income and wedding videos to me seemed like the best deal because it meant I could go to school during the week. And then, go do a weekend gig uh for a wedding and And I realized that the more I charged, the more I booked in los angeles it's the people are funny here with weddings um I think the average wedding in California costs fifty grand, which is insane and I was doing oh man I was doing some weddings that I'm sure cost like a quarter of a million dollars. It was just absolutely crazy and every year, I would double my price as a wedding videographer just to see right because it was like my thought process was well, what if I can do half the amount of weddings for double the cost? And that's the same amount of work. Sorry, it's half the work. It's half the work for the same amount of money. And inevitably what happened always was I would double my price and more people seemed to be interested. It was like that kind of like exclusivity thing, like Facebook, you know, like you have to have a .edu account when you're first starting out. I don't know what it was, honestly. But um, so, but going back a little bit. I was poor, right? So I was doing these wedding videos and uh, and corporate videos and basically anything I could get my hands on while I was going to school. So I was just starting out and I didn't like the feeling of being poor then. It was just a reality. I was poor. I didn't have money. I think I was making that first year I was back here. I probably made 25 grand, maybe 20. Honestly, it was it was very, very little money throughout the whole year at first year doing weddings and going to school full time. But, you know, as a student, um, making twenty five thousand dollars, uh, while going to school full time for your graduate program, I was I couldn't have been happier. It was really awesome. And I was able to afford I mean I, I lived with my my buddy Stefan. We lived in Pasadena, we had a little two room, uh two bedroom apartment and I think I paid five or six hundred dollars a month for that. And then the rest was, you know, gas, food, gravy. Just uh, you know, Entertainment. But um, as I started to double my prices as a wedding videographer, and then I started booking some other things, I started renting out camera gear as I acquired it for the weddings. I had a couple Canon C100s and a red camera and all, you know, some different lenses. I started renting those out to music videos or different, you know, shoots from other students. Um, started generating more revenue, more income. Um, I tried to. Never let that income, that new income, that newfound money that was coming in uh, scale with my lifestyle, if that makes sense. I mean, obviously, I I live off of more than $25,000 a year now, but I love the feeling of stretching myself financially as my income grows so that I don't feel like I've got all this discretionary income to blow all the time, right? And that and that does happen. Sometimes it happens now, and I and I'll kind of tell you how I structure what I do with discretionary income. Um, I I love tax advantaged stuff, right? And and in my industry, um, I'm able to to write off equipment, uh, and some equipment qualifies for something called a 179 tax deduction, which I've talked about also. Um, but it allows me to write off a piece of gear, a lens, or a camera, um, the full amount of the gear for that calendar year. Now, some of your eyes just glazed over, and that's fine. Basically, what I'm saying is we want to spend our money, the extra money that we're getting, as we start to scale and grow and become more professional, um, we want to use that money in investments that are wise, that are both growing, that help us get more money, and it can be tax-advantaged, it's a big bonus. So I'll tell you how I, how I structure things a little bit now. So I've talked about Acorns several times on this podcast, and it just pains me that they're not an actual sponsor because I do love Acorns for a few reasons. I am not a good investor. I'm just not. I, I watch some people and they're just smart, right? There's a million people that made tons and tons of money on this whole GameStop thing and, you know, AMC. And I had buddies texting me saying, now's the time you got to get in. And I just didn't because I was just like, I don't, (laughs) this doesn't seem real to me. I can't, I can't say why this is creating value or, so I didn't, I didn't invest any of that stuff. And maybe that was a good thing. But, um, my, my point is I'm an emotional investor. I think I'm smarter than the market. I put money in, I pull money out emotionally. And that's, the last thing you want to be when you're investing in the stock market. Uh, and that's why I like acorns. And the And the thing I do on acorns is I do daily contributions. Um, so right now I'm at $35 a day. And that's a little over $1,000 a month uh, invested into acorns. The reason I don't do a monthly, because my cousin, Kristen, just asked me, she's like, why don't you just do a monthly large sum at the end of the month or beginning of the month, just $1,000 and call it good. And, and my answer to that is because it feels to me like a bill that I have to pay and it hurts when it comes out of my account. You just go, Oh, thousand dollars. Where did that go? Man, why am I doing that? Um, but as a $35 a day thing, like it's less painful for me in a stupid way, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but it makes sense to me. Um, and because like I'll check my account periodically, maybe once a week or something like that, and I'll go, "Oh man, I just feel like I'm bleeding here, right?" And that's that's what I want. <laughs> and let me—I mean, st- stick with me, guys. That's that is what I want. I want to feel like I don't know where my money is going because I've set up several different investment options. Um, I've got Acorns, I've got Robin Hood, I've got um, something called Fundrise, which is uh, real estate investing. I've got permanent life insurance policies, love them or hate them, I've got them. Um, What else do I have? I've got equipment account funds. I've got, of course, my my home, which you could say is a piece of uh, investment. Um, I do, I certainly like to consider my home, which is probably most of my value. Um, Most of my net worth is locked up in this house. So I definitely consider that uh, an investment strategy. Um, Anyway, I've got all these different accounts that money automatically goes to, and, and I've set that up as I've been able to charge more and generate more income. So I feel like I'm living on the same amount of money with, you know, like my mortgage is not what it used. It's not $600 a month. I'll tell you that much. You know what I mean? So it's like you, there are provisions, there are things that change and you have to pay for things. I've got two girls now. I didn't have two girls when I was first starting out. So they cost money. They're not nearly as expensive as everybody says they are. They're not costing me a quarter of a million dollars for the first 18 years of their life. They're really not. Um, but you know, it's probably $600 a month go to the girls. Um, and one of them is just one and a half. So when she gets into that preschool age, it'll, it'll probably go up to a thousand dollars a month. But anyway, not all this to say, I, I liked the feeling that as I was generating more income, my lifestyle didn't change by much. Um, and some of you might hate that, right? Some of you want to feel bougie and i and i have bougie experiences i mean like we'll go on vacation we've been to hawaii my wife and i have been to hawaii 5 or 6 times now i love it it's like my favorite place on earth you show up and Hertz rent a car. is like, here, sir, here's the keys in English um, to your car. And then you go get a Diet Coke at McDonald's for $1.09 and it's got tons of ice in it. And then you go to Costco and you stock up on groceries for the week. It's just like, but then you walk outside and you're in this tropical paradise. There's a million reasons I love Hawaii uh, and will continue to go to Hawaii forever. But anyway, back to the point that not only does this Secretly grow your net worth, right? Because you're now you're invested in all these different things. Money is leaving your account, and you feel like that's that that pull, right? That springing of like that tension. Like, oh man, like I better keep hustling. I better keep hustling. Where's my money going? And that's the key word is you gotta keep hustling. When you stop hustling because you're making good money, you become complacent and you basically die. (laughs) What was I just I was listening to a book recently and uh. I'm trying to remember what they said, it was basically, they said, any form of complacency is the kiss of death for any professional, right? Cause you become complacent, you become very comfortable in, in what you're doing, what you're earning and creativity dies and innovation dies. It just completely goes away. So when you feel like you constantly have to be hustling, there's this, there's this fire underneath you that's constantly going and some people hate it. Um, sometimes I hate it but uh, for better or for worse it is it has kept me going it's kept uh, uh, the business thriving and and money keeps coming in there's another thing I want to talk about too um, which is inevitably in a creatives lifespan right in your career whether you're a cinematographer like myself or you're an actor or uh, definitely an actor um, painter anything like that. Styles change, right? Like, like think about being an actor. Like you're young in your twenties and you've got this screen presence where you're just glowing, and then you age. And guess what? It happens. People get older. Uh, as far as last time I checked, humans uh, get older and things happen to their skin. My skin, and I can I can show you pictures five years ago and I didn't have the wrinkles I have now because of two kids. But um, you have to pivot. Right. So suddenly those people that were calling you for that uh, that acting job because you looked a certain way, maybe aren't calling anymore. So you've got to reinvent yourself and you have to be prepared for that. When that happens, there will be a dip in your income. There's it's just going to happen. I'm going through one right now where I'm changing clients and a lot of my TV movies that I was doing, that client has dried up and gone away and now I'm reinventing myself. I'm going through a little bit of a pivot, right? Where it's like, okay, so I don't have that client anymore. What can I do to be hustling to replace that client with different work, or better work, or more profitable work? So that's kind of what I'm going through right now, and it's been really great, actually. Uh, I'm meeting tons of new producers, lots of new directors, and the good news is I've got a resume. Uh, I've got my IMDb page. I've got, um, you know, a beautiful reel that I can show people. And they go, yeah, this is great. Your work's qualified. You've been killing it for the last however many years. And yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to bring you on board. Um, but you have to be prepared financially for that change. So, yes, you stretch yourself. You create these rules, right? Where you've got these funds where cash is accumulating. Build yourself a safety net because inevitably at some point in your career, you're going to have to pivot and be ready for it. If that means three months savings saved up, uh, if you think that you can make that pivot in three months, that's great. My suggestion would be six months and that can be really hard and I and I get it, but I if I were starting out trying to save a six-month safety net, um, I would I would start with something like acorns. Um, or if you don't feel comfortable putting money in the stock market, I don't know why $5 a day starting out would be that dangerous, um, create, a, create a savings account uh, where you have automatic $5 a day um, deductions go towards a savings account. I'm sure you can set something up with your bank. Um, the reason I don't like a bank account is because Savings accounts to me are pretty worthless. Um, not not only because they don't grow at all. There's there's like it's not tied to anything, but just a, a bank and they don't give you any interest really uh, on that account, so it's not doing anything. But secondly, um, it's too easy to transfer back to your original account, right? It's like you get into hot water and you're like, oh, I should probably put some of that money back in my checking account so I don't do this or what that. and And it's just like a click of a button and it's there. But there's a little bit more accountability if it's over in Acorns. And not that you don't have access to it, but it's really fun to see your money grow. So you're going to start putting $5 a day and all of a sudden, like in a month, you're going to be like, I earned 1.75% interest this this month. That's crazy. That's wonderful on, on my $150 or whatever. And and it's just going to compound. It's just going to grow and grow and, and do better and better. Another cool thing is even if the stock market's not doing super crazy hot, you're still making something called dividends, which is little profits that the companies you're invested in give to you every quarter, right? Just, just to say, thank you. Here's a share of our money that we made this, this quarter. And that automatically compounds back into your account as well. So let's, and for me specifically, as a cinematographer, I am in heavily invested in equipment, and you know this by now. You've heard several times of me talking about equipment, um, but I, if I have an extra bit of cash, I will look around, and I, and I get specific too. I'll call my rental house that I, that I sub-rent my equipment with and uh, consign with, and I'll say, what are you in dire need of? Um, what piece of equipment are you constantly having to sub from other rental houses, and they'll say, oh, man, if we just had a set of whatever lenses, then I'll say, great. I'll go find some. And I'll try and find a great deal on those lenses. Or if they say, you know, we really just need this p- specific camera body. It's not an expensive camera body. Like, they actually just told me right now. They're looking for, um, they're having to sub all the time this little Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Pro camera. And it's like 2500 bucks. you know? I you know, for three thousand dollars I could go buy this camera and a little cage for it and drop it off at this rental house and it'd probably make five hundred dollars a month, four hundred dollars a month. But that's a tax deduction for me in this calendar year with my discretionary income that I don't want in my bank account because if I see three thousand dollars extra cash sitting in my bank, I'll probably go buy something stupid, right? If if it's just gonna sit there but if i'm buying equipment that makes $400 a month let's say let's say even on the low end let's say it makes 250 a month all right that's that's $3000 a year you know that's you're paying off that camera in one year and i don't think that that's unreasonable in my industry anyway so find stuff in your industry that that is connected to you but uh, doesn't have to be and i don't know what that looks like i don't know what that looks like if you're a painter right if you're if you're a painter i don't know what that looks like um, cause you can't just buy, you know, like, what are you going to do? Rent oils? Like you can't rent easels. Uh, but maybe you can, maybe there's like some sort of special easel, you know, or I, I, I don't know. It's the, the point I'm trying to make is you have to look outside the box, find out where money is going, uh, in your industry. That is not just a painting, right? So it, are there things that you can be doing, uh, with galleries, or with um, outdoor uh, like art shows or indoor art shows are the things that you can be doing that are part of your world that are not directly related to putting a brush on a canvas with oil on it. Um, So look for those opportunities. Look where the money's going and try to think outside the box uh, for whatever your industry is um, and, and make something, right? And we're trying to generate additional income. Because there are things, there are pieces of equipment that I own that I have never, ever used, not once. In fact, the my probably largest investments, the Ari Signature Primes, were $120,000 for some lenses, and I've never once used them. Not once, which is crazy, right? As a cinematographer, I should be using these lenses all the time, but I'm too afraid to take them out for my own stuff because... I swear the second I do, I'm going to miss out on a rental. And I would much rather those lenses be generating income for me when some of my other lens sets look great and do the job just as well. So I'm sure there will be a special project down the road where I say, I really want to step this up. This needs to look a certain way. I'll pull out those lenses. We'll use them on the thing. It'll be great. Um, But for now, that hasn't happened. And I mean, that happens all the time with equipment of mine. I've just got it parked in consignment. And it generates income, I get a check at the end of the month, and it's my industry. I understand it. So I understand values. So we'll do a little bit of homework this week. Here's here's the project. Whatever your industry is, I want you to start thinking outside the box. Start asking the questions, where does the money go if it's not directly related to my day rate, my labor, right? My putting the brush on the canvas, my pressing record on the camera, uh, whatever it is, me reciting the lines as an actor, um, start looking peer, Just open up that curtain a little bit and find out where the money in your industry is going. That's not connected to labor. Okay. How are we doing? Is this just wordy? Is this so wordy? Are you guys having, are you just completely, uh, glazed over? Is this just riveting? Are you on the edge of your seat? Maybe we should call it quits for the week, huh? How are we doing? Anything else going on in your lives? I, I'm curious who you are. I, you know, I've had quite a few people reach out, and I, and I love it. I really do. My friend Brian uh, just tagged me on Facebook. Uh, he downloaded Acorns and started investing in it. And man, we got to get those guys as a sponsor. I swear. I, just, I, I think it's great because I'm not an investor, and I'm emotional, and I just love it. If someone else can say, here's a portfolio that works for you. It's aggressive. We're going for it um anyway so yeah reach out to me and and let me know how we're doing um start uh start uh sending me your questions for the next next month when i do my solo thing and uh we'll go from there i have i'm trying to think what i can talk about what i have coming up um commercials i'm doing some some big commercials for southern california um i i've got some films in the work um I've mentioned my own film that I'm trying to get off the ground. The problem is I'm looking for distribution i kinda I kind of want to I've got everybody lined up for funding um to do this feature film. It's a christmas film, a very traditional t v movie I'd love to pitch it to Hallmark at a lifetime um but uh I don't want to do it unless I have Distribution kind of on board. Someone that can say we've got these relationships with Lifetime, we've got these relationships with Hallmark. Sure, we'll pitch your project, we'll take it there because I've got the script, I've got the funding, I've got uh, actors even uh, on board. Um, I just uh, I'm a little bit. I I thought I had something lined up and it fell through. The joys of making a film. Once everything shakes out um, and goes one way or the other, I'll, I'll share more details with you because I think it's really fascinating. Um, and fun—it's really exciting for me because uh, I'm. This is not my capacity. I I don't direct or produce very often, and so this kind of fell in my lap. Is this opportunity? I got the script, and I liked it. It's really cute, and um, and I've been doing this for the last four years, just making like lifetime movies, and so I know the the process, right? I know what boxes need to be checked, and so I I feel qualified. And I'm very confident that I can do it. I can at least give it a shot. So, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take investors' money if I can't if I can't line up some sort of distribution. Not necessarily like a deal with Lifetime, but someone to say we've got those connections. We'll uh, represent your movie. We'll we'll get it out there. I'm not gonna take their money until I can have that in place. So so yeah, man. Um, got that going on. And then I do have a film that uh, at the end of the May end of May that I'm hired for. Uh, and then. Probably one in June, and one in August. So yeah, things are things are looking up, and we're keeping busy. Uh, lots of house projects to come. Follow us on Instagram, uh, Creative Income Podcast, and uh, we'll we'll get some some more guests for you next week. We've got some really great people on board. Um, yeah, I won't share yet. I won't share yet. But uh, this week, this last two weeks was awesome. Oh my goodness, we had uh, Patrick O'Sullivan from Wandering DP on. And brought a lot of his audience over, and immediately felt that and saw that in the in the numbers. That was greatly appreciated. Uh, and then I just had Cole Walliser, the uh, Glambot guy from Instagram, um, on, and and he's just a gem, just a true financial gem. Love that guy. So, lots more to come. Thanks uh, so much, guys, for for sticking around, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>